As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. This is Bishop Gilbert Coleman. Prepare yourself to receive what's going to be a life-changing word. We're so thankful for this day, O oh God, because this is a day that you have made, and we truly shall rejoice and be glad in it, because we realize, O oh God, that it's because of your mercy that we were not consumed, that you allowed us to be here another day, Father, because there is a divine purpose, a destiny that you have for every one of our lives, a divine plan that you initiated before the world began, And we're so grateful, oh God, that we can be a part of that glorious plan that you have to extend your kingdom into this earth. Thank you, oh God, for bringing us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. And thank you, oh God, uh, just to be able to wake up today, to know, Father, that there were so many that did not make the journey today. But we're still here, Lord, and we thank you for it. We thank you, O God, for your health and for your strength in our bodies. Thank you, O God, for your wisdom, your peace, your comfort, your consolation, and your joy. Because, Father, we know that the joy that we have, the world can't take it from us. Because the world didn't give it to us, and so they sure can't take it away. As we bless you, Father. We bless you for being able to be in this sanctuary to once again hear your word. And I pray, O oh, Father, that it shall be a rhema word. And that you shall use me as your instrument, O oh God, to be able to not only give uh, impartation to your people, but to give them empowerment. That, Father, heaven, that becomes stronger in their walk of faith. And they'll walk by faith and not by sight. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Oh, Oh, Spirit of the living God, even dry up our tears, those tears, oh God, that are uh, sown uh, in sadness, oh God. But yet, Father, you said if we sow in tears, we'll reap in joy, and we believe you for it. Thank you, oh God. Oh, thank you, oh God, for even going ahead of us and having already made the way. Now, Father, we pray that we'll have the strength and tenacity just to keep on going knowing, oh God, that there is a brighter day ahead. Thank you, Father, even right now for the things we're about to hear and we're about to learn that, Father, we can imply, um, uh, apply them quickly to our lives and then, oh God, always bring you honor, praise, and glory. In Jesus' name, we pray this prayer with thanksgiving. Amen. Can you give a little hand praise right where you are? Yeah, give God a hand praise. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. And before you take your seat, if you hug your brother, hug your sister, tell him it's just good to be here. Yeah, tell somebody, it's just good to be here. It's just good to be here. Bless the Lord. It's just good to be here. Ah, it's just good to be here. The old folks used to say we could have been dead and gone. But thank God that the Lord allowed our golden moments to roll on. Bless his name. God is a good God. I said God is a good God. Oh, yes, he is. He's a good God. He's merciful. He's loving. He's so compassionate. He's so forgiving. 
you know, and that even when we deny him, he still is faithful. Isn't it wonderful to know that we always have the Lord on our side? Uh, the one that David could write, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is my shepherd. Mm, I shall not want. Oh my God, I tell you that, that. I tell you, David had some kind of a relationship, didn't he? He knew the Lord so intimately. And it would surely be wonderful if the children of God today could be just that intimate with him. Uh, that we will come to a place to where we won't allow some of the distractions of life uh, to pull us away from that intimacy. To get us uh, to a point to where we allow certain thoughts to enter our thinking and as a result of it, take our mind off of him. Because here's the thing, he said he'll keep you in perfect peace. If your mind is just stayed, man, that's, that's, the, that's the operative word right there, stayed on him. And isn't it amazing that even though uh, we spend time praying, we spend time praising, we spend time worshiping, and then still allow some wayward thought to come creeping into our mind. You know, and next thing you know, here you are off, off on some journey thinking about that thing, and here you were just two minutes ago, had God totally encompassed in your mind, and now you throw it off. That amazes me. How in the world can you think of an awesome, omnipotent, almighty, powerful God and have him at the center of your thoughts and then just as quickly erase him? Yeah, that make you think, doesn't it? Quickly erase him as good as we know he is as good as we've seen him be, as awesome as we've seen him be in the midst of our situations, and then within sometime moments, he's gone because we spend our time worrying about something or spending our time doubting God that because of the fact that we prayed and we prayed and we prayed, and even though we prayed, the situation did not get better. In fact, it got worse. And we're saying, Lord, where are you in all this? And in actuality, he's in the middle of it. He's right in the middle of it. Because you know what? We allow the enemy to cause us to have spiritual amnesia. You, you didn't hear what I said. I said we have spiritual amnesia. Look, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Lo, I'll be with you until the end of the world. So God says, I'm never far away. And even though he has told us he's never far away, we allow the enemy to plant thoughts in our mind that somehow God has either forgotten us, forsaken us, or he's neglecting us. That somehow or another, I'm the black sheep of the family and God don't care nothing about me. That is absolutely absurd. How could we think that thought when the Lord loves us so, and I've said this to you before, that he loves us as if there was only one of us to love. That's how much he cares about each of us as an individual. And if we could ever just encompass that thought, then we can apply what Paul says. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you and me. Goodness gracious. So 
I don't, I don't know how it's going to end up. I don't know when it's going to end. I don't know what the Lord is planning on doing in the midst of this situation. However, I still thank him. I thank him not because of, watch this, not because of where I'm going. I thank him because of where I've been. Huh? I thank him because of what he's already done. And the things he's already done, I can't even begin to thank him for all of that. I spend the rest of my life, you spend the rest of your life, just trying to thank him for all the things, oh my God, for all the things he's already done. What else does God have to do to prove himself? Can somebody answer that one for me? What else does he have to do to prove himself, to, find, to show us, or rather I said, for us to finally come to a place to where we understand that if he took care of the last one, good God, I reckon, if he took care of the last one, is he not able to take care of this? Huh? I don't care how deep it look. I don't care look how bleak and how dreary it looks, how, how, how catastrophic it looks, as if somehow or another things are just not going to work out. That's a lie. It's a lie. No wonder the Spirit of God led me to this because before I, before I left home this morning, T. Barry, all, all I kept hearing in my spirit was refreshing. Refreshing. God says, I want to refresh my people that come today. This wants to refresh you. And because of that, let me take you to the pastor's scripture laid on my heart. Go to um, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. Galatians chapter 6. There's a Bible right there, son. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10. You can sit down. Don't, don't even stand up. I want you to rest. <laughs> refresh yourself. Yeah, refresh yourself. Galatians 6, verse 9 and 10. Uh, and and your, your King James says, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. And as we therefore have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially they who are of the household of faith. Is that what your Bible says? Yeah. Now my new King James says it this way, and let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. I just want to use briefly from that passage today, keep your head up. <laughs> keep your head up. There is no doubt that as human beings and as we live this life from day to day, there are those times when as a human being, you become exhausted, you become tired. And I want to submit to you this afternoon, Pat, that the tiredness that we many times experience is not always a physical tiredness. Because you can lay down, take some time of what we call a cat nap, rest for 15, 20 minutes, get back up, be refreshed, ready to go again, right? So it is not always the physical tiredness that wears us out the most. Again, I submit to you this afternoon 
that the greatest tiredness we have is emotional. We allow our feelings to get worn out because we spend so much time thinking about all the stuff that's going to happen. You missed what I said. I said we spend all our time thinking about the stuff that's going to happen. We don't think about what is happening, we think about what's going to happen. And we've already surmised and concluded in our mind that what I'm looking at at present, the only conclusion for it to be is that it's gonna get bad, it's gonna be worse, it's gonna be so terrible that there's just no way in the world I can cope, I can't handle this, I can't deal with it. But the Bible says that God cannot put on you and I more than we can handle. God says he is only able to give you what he knows he has already equipped you to deal with. You are prepared in your spirit being to handle anything that will happen in the natural. Because the Bible says that first of all, you are complete in him. That's number one. All right? And then secondly, he says that he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. So you and I are thoroughly furnished, totally complete, because of the fact that the spirit of the living God dwells inside of us and there is no darkness in him. There's no failure in him. So because there's no failure in him and he lives in us, you and I cannot fail. Our greatest problem is that even though we know we have all of this supernatural ability that dwells on the inside of us, our greatest problem, first of all, is our fear. Because we are afraid that things are not going to improve. So because we are so fearful, Right now, here it is, that watch this. It is not that it's the absence of God. I said this to you on Sunday, I'm gonna say it again. It's not that it's the absence of God. The problem is, is the absence of direction. Because right now, I don't know what to do with what I got. And because I don't know what to do with what I have, I become fearful that somehow or another, it can't improve because God, where are you? I, I, I don't hear you. I don't see you. I can't feel you, God. What's going on right now? I mean, this is just too much for me to handle. And not so. Not so. Not so. Because here it is that you face some wild stuff in your past. In fact, before you became a Christian, you dealt with some stuff in your, B, in your BC days that probably should have killed you. And you were able to handle that stuff and sometimes handle it with a smile. Get saved and get scared. Now somebody help me with that picture. How are you going to be this bold, brazen, brash, rough, tough individual with the devil and then get God and become fearful? What's up with that? How in the world can you see the devil as being in actuality thinking more powerful than God? All it is is that God is showing you how to act like him in this world. See, you can't just keep on coming to church 
and hearing the preacher teach this stuff, and then you have no way to apply it. So we think that God says, I'll give you patience, and we think that somehow or another, you're going to lay down with your Bible turned to the scripture on patience and lay your head on it, and the next morning you're going to wake up with patience. That is not how this is done. So what the Lord does in order for you to have patience, he gives you opportunities. Ooh, I felt that in my own spirit. He gives you opportunities to learn how to exercise patience. So you said, Lord, I need some courage. Y'all know that cowardly lion, Wizard of Oz. Y'all remember him, don't you? Well, guess what? The deal is he always possessed courage. He just needed an opportunity to allow courage to come out of him. He needed an opportunity to be bold. And understand this also, child of God. There is so much stuff that the enemy wants to use against you to cause you to become weary, to cause you to become exhausted, to cause you to get to the place where you just want to throw in the towel, give up, quit, let it go, you know, forget it, you know. But the bottom line, though, is that you would never be able to know how to persevere if the enemy didn't do that. You wouldn't have no sense of persistence in you or a sense of wanting to be complete in you if the enemy didn't do some stuff against you. You can't be in a world as a believer where everything is just going to happen wonderfully all the time and you think you just keep on praising God and worshiping God, you know, and lifting God up and exalting God in the earth and the devil ain't going to bother you? Do you understand that as soon as you accept Christ, you become a candidate to be picked on? In fact, you are picked out to be picked on. And because of the fact that the devil knows what your assignment is, and because he knows your assignment, he does not want to see you fulfill that assignment, so he's going to do whatever is necessary to throw you off track and to have you so worried about the fact that things are not ever going to work out for me. That's a lie. And so here we are, many of us, buying into the lie instead of holding on to the truth. You shall know the truth. And the truth makes you, come on, say it with me. Truth makes you what? It makes you free. Makes you free. So you can be so free, so free until stuff don't bother you like that no more. Come on now. This ain't the first time you've seen some hard situation. And it won't be the last time. Because remember, remember, the closer you get to your destination, the more you're going to be picked on. <laughs> ah, the more, listen, the more you get to know him and the more intimate the two of you become, the enemy is desirous of trying to drive a wedge between you and him. Oh, let me show you, let me show you, let me show you. Because, because, because remember that the relationship between a believer and Christ is the same picture as a husband and a wife. So what the enemy wants to do is to drive a wedge between a husband and a wife. Same thing in the kingdom. If he can drive a wedge between you and God, he is therefore helping to destroy the family. The family of God will be fractured and splintered and divided if he can just get you one to go off on the sidelines and we're licking your wounds. Because remember, there are people watching you. And because there are people watching you, if they don't see strength in you, if they don't see courage in you, if they don't see power in you, 
and they think you are this gosh almighty believer and they don't see strength and power and courageousness and boldness and confidence in you it says to them well God can't do nothing for them he must not be able to do nothing for me I might as well stay on out here in the world where I am because if God don't work for them he sure can't work for me are y'all hearing what I'm saying amen so so Paul says I know y'all having a hard time. Paul says, I know you've seen some stuff that just really upsets you and frustrates you, make you discouraged and irritated, you're agitated. I mean, you're looking at this stuff and saying, oh my God, come on, Lord. I've been praying about this and praying about this and praying about this. Can't you just do a little something for me? At least give me a glimmer of hope. Let me see that there's some kind of light at the end of the tunnel. I mean, even if it's a, if it's a pinhole light, let me at least see that, Lord. You know, and then you pray and you pray and you pray and the Lord don't answer. Now you're even more upset. Come on, Lord, I had this before you. I had this petition before you for months now, Lord, and I ain't hearing nothing. But be don't, be, don't be weary <laughs> in your well-doing. For in what? Oh, talk to me. Come on, in what? In due season. In, what's this? In God's own time. You shall reap. It don't say maybe. Oh, come on now. It doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't say possibility. Are you hearing me? He said, you shall reap. Now, shall, though, is still futuristic. It's going to come. So, so even though it's going to come, it also means that whatever you have to deal with right now, you're going to have to deal with it for now. <laughs> yeah, but, but remember, the Bible says, if you sow in tears, you will reap in joy. Amen. Because joy does come. In the morning but of course you already know that we don't know how long the night's gonna be and we don't know when the morning is coming are you understanding me here but watch this but the Bible also says that God takes your tears and he puts them in a bottle as a memorial so therefore your tears my tears are sitting in a bottle right now on God's shelf and there are instances when God will turn and look at that and say ah yeah uh-huh, he needs some help right now. She needs some help right now. I see she's been going through, he's been going through. Let me help them and send an angel of mercy to come and help you through your situation. So don't be weary. <laughs> don't get tired. Don't fall out the race now. Are you hearing what I'm saying? See, because the people who run marathons, uh, you know, uh, as they train, as they train, uh, and Kevin, you can bear me out on this, as they train, they get to the point to where sometimes you are so exhausted, your legs feel like lead. Huh? Your, your feet feel like you can't even lift them up no more. Your lungs are burning on the inside. You want to stop so bad. But then there's another spirit. Mm that kicks in and even though you want to give up even though you want to stop running you don't want to do no more you feel like you're gonna you feel like you're gonna pass out if you ran another step huh. and, and, and then and then this energy that just begins to well up inside of you gives you the inspiration to just keep on running and it seems like you get what they call your second win yeah, you get your second win, and you can kick on in, and you can keep on going, you can keep on going. Why? Because you know that there is a prize, there is a reward. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There, there, listen, there, God wants to do something special for you at the end of your journey, but you can't give up now. In fact, think about this. You've come too far to give up now. Huh? You've done too much to give up now. And if, in fact, you were to give up at this particular time, all you're going to do is play right into the devil's hands. 
Amen. You will help him fulfill his assignment against you. See, because understand this also. See, when it comes down to the enemy, don't think that he has arbitrarily chosen you. <laughs> Boy, y'all are looking at me so strange. I said, don't think he arbitrarily chose you. He is after you for a reason. Because remember, 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 uh, uh, Jesus is talking to Peter. And he says to Peter, he said, Peter, he said, the devil came to talk to me about you. He said he desired to sift you as wheat. Now he called Peter specifically. He called Peter out by name. And so, child of God, do you understand that when it is that you are facing hard times, when you're facing crises in your life, do you understand that the enemy has come and called you out by name? He has specifically targeted you because he knows what he needs to do to knock you out. Because remember that as you continue this journey, the enemy does a case study on you. Oh yeah, oh yeah. He sends his demons, he sends his imps to follow you around. The same as an angel of God is around you on a regular basis, watching over you, uh, protecting you, even writing things about you. Uh -huh. and, and, and yet, there are demons that are following you as well. Because don't forget, now don't forget, at one time, you were the devil's child. Now, I know you don't want to say amen. Yeah, but you were the devil's child, that's right. Because, because Jesus even said, he said, one time, he was your father. That's right, because you had not accepted Christ. So as long as you had not accepted Christ, the devil was your daddy. Okay? So now, because your daddy knows your likes, he knows your dislikes, he knows your passions, he knows what you can be tempted by, he knows what you can be knocked off course by, he knows who to use, when to use them, and how to use them. He knows. He knows exactly what it takes to get you to the point to where you don't want to pray, you don't want to praise, you don't want to worship. In fact, it takes everything in you just to make your way into the church house. And then watch this, and it's amazing. Just like that woman with the issue of blood, we make God the last resort. That's the last thing we turn to. Now, because remember it said, she tried all them doctors, spent all her money, all that kind of stuff. You know, and here it is that we, we man, we are some bad folks, boy, when we up in this building. Leave out the building, and all of a sudden you become deflated. All that power, I rebuke your devil and all that kind of stuff. And what, where's all that rebuking when you go home? Where's all of that power when you go home? Where's all that confidence when you go home? Amen. That's where you need it, not in here. That's where you're supposed to be bad. You're supposed to be rough. You're supposed to be at the point to where when the enemy walks up in your household, say, hold up, uh-uh, I see you. I identify you. I rebuke you right now in the name of you. You can't come up in here. You will not have my husband, you ain't gonna have my wife, you ain't gonna have my kids, you ain't gonna have my household. Get out! You ain't gonna have my mind. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because remember, remember, remember that the enemy can only do what? Throw fiery darts at you. And the fiery darts are what? Thoughts. So he tries all these thoughts, all these thoughts to make you weary. And what he wants to do is to have you think enough thoughts to where you're just tired of thinking because that's all you'll do. Sit somewhere thinking, on your job, thinking, in the car, thinking, on the bus, thinking, on the subway, thinking, walking the street, thinking, in the supermarket, thinking, in the drugstore, thinking. Sitting in somebody else's house, we'll be visiting with them, thinking. Are y'all here? And where it is that you should be exuberant, you should be exhilarated, your joy should be unspeakable and full of the Lord's glory. All you're doing is sitting around somewhere, trying to blow it off. Come on, y'all know how we do. Don't play with me. Y'all know how we do. 
Y'all know how we do. They're sitting there, and that thing, that thought, those thoughts are just like elephants sitting in your chest, and you're trying to blow them off. You're trying to blow them off, as opposed to just going on and dealing with them. See, some of this stuff makes you weary because you refuse to deal with it. And watch this, <laughs> because now you ain't gonna like what I'm gonna say, but hear me in the spirit, because you prayed, and you prayed, and you just know that everything's just gonna wipe out. See, that's what you would really hope for. You would really hope for that you can just pray about it, and then it'll disappear, it'll dissolve. You know what I'm saying? It'll fade into the air somewhere like a puff of smoke. You're just like having a, a pot on the stove, and you see the steam, and steam rising, it's gone, right? Within seconds, well, it don't work like that in the kingdom. Because, because here's the thing, you can pray, but the question becomes, are you willing to be an answer to your own prayer? Huh? Will you allow God to use you to take care of the situation you're praying about? So he says, don't be weary in your well-doing for what? In due season, in due season, you shall what? Re you, there's a harvest coming. The harvest is coming, no doubt about that. But you got to remember, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So guess what? What kind of souls are you, are you, seeds are you sowing? Are you sowing seeds of disgust? Are you sowing seeds of discouragement? Are you sowing seeds of frustration? Are y'all here in here? Are you sowing seeds of irritation? Are you understanding me? If you're sowing those seeds, guess what you get back? Discouragement, disgust, frustration, irritation, anguish. Are you hearing me? Sorrow, lament. <laughs> All your joy is gone. And because there's no joy, there's no strength. Because you need joy to be able to fight. Are y'all in here? Yeah. Amen. I now understand. I didn't say happy. I said joy. Are you hearing me? And joy is a state of mind. Joy is how I think. Amen. So I choose to be joyful. I choose to rejoice. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I choose that. And because I choose that, the enemy realizes he got, hey, I got to try something else here. This man's on point. This girl's on point. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so watch this, because you never see a time when Jesus was operating through disgust. Never through discouragement. Never through frustration. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because, because watch this, the only time I guess I see him even a little irritated is when they woke him up. <laughs> now, now think about this here. Now think about this. If you were the disciples, if you were the apostles at that time, think about this. You're in a storm, yes, understand you're in a storm, but bottom line though is that even in the storm, here is Jesus on board the ship, Jesus asleep. So now, if Jesus is on board my ship and he's asleep, why am I upset? Huh? Why am I all bothered, you know, panicky, nervous, jittery, upset? Why? And the master is sleeping. Now, got to remember, they're in a storm. They're in a boat. And because they're in a storm, the water is coming into the ship. Jesus is on the bow of the ship, water coming in, water coming up under his pillow or whatever he's laying on, water coming right up under him. He's still asleep. <laughs> and why in the world were they upset? Question for you then. The master's on board your ship. <laughs> and even in the midst of every storm, he's not upset. So with him not being upset, why are you? Why are you bothered? Huh? Why? No, why? I'm going to tell you why. 
because you see it wrong. You see it in the natural. <clears throat> Are you hearing me? As opposed to being able to draw from the well of water who is Christ. Because out of your belly shall flow, come on now, what? Rivers of what? Living water. All right, living water, not dying water. You know, we'll be dying on the inside. You should be alive on the inside unto Christ. And as long as I can keep that life of Christ welling up inside of me, I don't care what I face. I can face it still with joy because I already know. I already know the outcome. Uh, listen, I don't know the, what's this? I don't know the exact outcome, but I know the outcome. The outcome is I'm the victor, not the victim. As my, amen. We win. Bottom line is that we win. So, because I know that we win, now I can go to verse 10. I'm getting ready to close. It says, therefore, it says, therefore, knowing that I'm going to reap if I don't quit. Isn't that what it says? So, because I know that I'm going to reap if I don't quit, now I can be in position to minister to somebody else who needs me. Because sometimes ministry is forsaken because I'm too busy worrying. I'm too busy being upset. I'm too busy being nervous. I'm too busy being in doubt. And here's someone who needs me desperately, but I don't have time because I got enough trouble of my own. I don't have time to talk to you, bruh. I don't have time to talk to you, sis. I don't have time to minister y'all's situation. I can't be over there right now because I got too much junk I got to deal with for myself. But the Bible says, if I'm not weary in my well-doing, as I have opportunity, so therefore, when the opportunity presents itself, I have to be there for them and put my stuff on the back burner. Oh my gosh. Oh my. <laughs> so, so therefore, the Lord is saying, I should be looking for ministry opportunities as opposed to me worrying over some stuff I can't change anyway. Amen. Y'all remember the serenity prayer, don't you? Huh? God grant me the, the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. What? The courage to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. Uh -huh. Because there's some things that no matter how hard you try, you can't change it. And especially when it comes down to people. God never put you and I on the planet to change nobody. You can't change people. Stop trying. Stop trying, spending your, spending your time as a psychoanalyst trying to get inside their head and figure out what, and the more you try to get inside their head, the more confused you become. You know what I'm saying? Because the deal is this here, y'all, if they're crazy, they're going to be crazy until God deals with his or her heart. That's just the way it's going to be. So while, so, while, so while you trying to figure it out, God has already worked it out and you just in God's way. You just in God's way. Be busy doing what God told you to do. Be busy doing what God sent you to do and stop concerning yourself with other people's faults and flaws. Amen, Barbara. You can't change them. Can't change them. You will never be able to change them until Jesus come, you won't be able to change them. Leave them alone. Just go ahead on and do your thing. As we therefore have opportunity, let us do good to all men, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Because man, you're gonna find that some of the craziest people in the world, in the world, is in the church. I mean, there's some crazy folks. Good God Almighty, in the church. I mean, they just, whoa. I mean, out there. But the Lord says that they still deserve preferential treatment. 
God says you have to treat them real good just because of the fact that they are the household of faith. You may not, you may not like all their ways. You may disagree with some of their doctrines and all that kind of stuff, but that's not your concern. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God says still do good to them. Amen. And watch this here. And while you are trying to do good to them and for them, you can't think about your mess. Ah, because if I'm immersed in what God told me to do, I don't have time to be thinking about somebody else's faults. I don't have time to think about somebody else's flaws. I'm too busy trying to do good. Watch this. Even to those who don't do good to me. They don't treat me well. They don't talk well. They act like they don't like me. Always shunning me. Don't like my God. It's all right. It's all right. I love you. What can I do for you? How can I help you? How can I serve you? <laughs> so when I'm doing that, all I have within me to do is to keep my head up. Keep my head up. And if I bow my head, I bow it to pray. Y'all quiet up in here. I said, if I'm going to bow my head, I bow my head to pray. And I'm not bowing my head in worry. I'm not bowing my head in consternation. I am not contentious on the inside with myself. Amen. There's no war in here. I'm at peace. I'm resolved that this thing is going to work out. And when, it's gonna, when it works out, it will work out for my good. And be not weary in what? Well doing. For in what? Juice. Come on, what, what season? In due season, due season, I shall reap if I don't quit, if I don't give up. And we know that all things work together for good, mother, to them that love God, who are the cause according to his, his oh yeah, I love that, sis, uh, his purpose. It's about his purpose. And Check this out. Let me say this and then we'll pray. Are you willing to suffer for his purpose? Hmm? Will you exemplify him and glorify him in this earth by sometime having to go through more than anybody else and go through it joyfully and let the body of Christ and let the world watch you and say to themselves, how in the world can he or she be that calm in the midst of this? <laughs> because you know what? There are some of y'all in here right now that you know that there are some things that you have gone through and may even be going through right now that other people would have lost their mind by now. But you're still standing. Ah, you're still standing. So because you're still standing, the one thing that the Lord sent me here to tell you to do be refreshed and keep your head up. Give God a praise in this house right now. Thank you so much for tuning in today and especially for that man or for that woman out there who does not know the Lord Jesus today. Please know that it's a very, very simple process. You don't have to jump through hoops. You don't have to jump up and down or anything like that. All that the Lord is looking for you to do is one simple thing. Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised it from the dead. You shall be saved. Please know it's just that simple. You don't have to do anything else. But more than anything, make sure that you listen back into us once again. Don't you dare miss it. 
We'll have some vital information for you once again to help you continue this great journey along with the Lord Jesus Christ. Love you all now. God bless. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.